This is the Rundown. The Rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. All right, all right. Welcome into the Rundown. My name is Spencer Keatsman. And for Luke tonight, lots to talk about. Cody Fincher is here as well. And I'm in a good mood. I was not in a good mood earlier today. You want to know why, Cody? Oh, please tell me. I did my taxes today. Oh, no. It turned out all right. (laughs) (laughs) But there were some scary moments. You know how that is. That's never fun. Yeah. It takes forever. I've sat there watching someone do my taxes once, and I'm like, okay, that's a cool return. And then they put in another number, and it goes down. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. No. What happened? And then you got to pay the fee. It's like that scene in the office where Michael asked the guy to crunch the numbers again on the Michael Scott paper company because he wasn't- Just crunch them. That's not how it works, sir. Just just do it. Just hit the button. Just hit the button. I was trying to do that. But anyways, a lot of fun stuff going on today. The Cardinals re-signed Kelvin Beecham. Uh, and that to me kind of raised a question about the future with Marcus Gilbert in the Cardinals. And we've seen the chiefs today release Damian Williams who sat out last year for COVID. Maybe some of the guys that have opted out are going to be getting released. You don't know if they're coming back out of shape. You don't know what they've been doing. You don't know if they have commitment to the game. I don't know. So I'm interested to see what happens there. Just to, just a quick uh, little rundown of some of the signings today in case you're just getting in your car and heading home for the day. The Giants, they re-signed Leonard Williams to a three-year, $63 million contract. And this is coming off, obviously, the best year of his career. The former first-round draft pick, I believe, in 2015 by the Jets and then was traded before last year down the hallway from the Jets to the Giants. Does that sound right? I think that's what happened. And he just got paid. Big-time contract there. And I think... It was it was pretty obvious that the Giants were considering him as a part of their future. Tyrod Taylor, one-year deal with the Houston Texans. Uh, Deshaun Watson's back up for now, right? <laughs> I mean... The soon-to-be starter, you yeah, mean, the, the Houston to, Texans? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much that really does for me, but the Jags did sign a wide receiver today, Marvin Jones, who had been awesome with the Lions. I really like this guy. The uh, guy rumored to maybe be mm-hmm. a target of the Cardinals. Kind of disappointing there. Not for two years, $14.5 million, which is what the Jacksonville Jaguars got him for. And they also traded for Malcolm Brown, the defensive tackle with the Saints. So the Jaguars making some noise today. The Chiefs, I mentioned, cut Damian Williams, and this is, uh, I, I think Damian Williams was a guy who was awesome in the Super Bowl a couple years ago for Kansas City. He had that big touchdown and then decided to opt out because of COVID last year. And that, unfortunately for him, I think was a career suicide in Kansas City, especially with what the Chiefs did with drafting Edwards Hilaire and how that running back position is. And they've got another Williams there that's pretty good in Darrell Williams. So, Isn't Le'Veon the, Bell still there, too? Yes. So I, I just think that the Chiefs were just decided it's time to move on. And uh, that that makes sense. The Dolphin, the Dolphins, the Dolphins, Dolphins signed Jacoby Brissett today um, to be the backup for now. What's the deal? Maybe Tua gets a little bit of uh, competition there. I don't know. I, I highly doubt it. But as of now, there's another quarterback in the QB in the QB room in Miami. And then Andy Dalton signs a one year deal for ten million dollars to play with the Chicago Bears. And it seems to me as if. He's in every bit of position to make a run at starting quarterback in Chicago as anybody. So it is time now for the Rundown Rapid Reaction. The Rundown Rapid Reaction. Rapid Reaction. 
reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. All right, number one, Cardinals free agency. I mentioned signing Kelvin Beecham today to a two-year deal. The details of that contract is not yet released. Um, I don't think it's going to be anything outrageous, but it does make you wonder what the future holds for that offensive line and how the Cardinals are going to go forward with maybe signing a wide receiver. Do they go to the draft and do that? Do they really look at somebody? It'll be interesting to see what the Cardinals decide to do throughout the next couple days with that. But, Cody, Kelvin Beecham last year was awesome. I mean, he stepped up big time when the Cardinals really needed him uh, with some injuries on the offensive line and obviously Gilbert opting out, and you didn't really know what kind of protection Kyler was going to have. It wasn't great, but it was pretty good, and Beecham was a big part of that. Yeah, I think it's a really good uh, guy to keep because, like you were saying, I I agree with this, you don't really know um, how Marcus Gilbert is going to look taking a year off, and he also hadn't played... Uh, the year previous either in 2019 I believe because I believe he got injured in training camp in 2019 mm-hmm. so maybe they're just going to cut their losses there and Kelvin Beachum performed really well for the team last year so might as well bring him back he's he knows the system he knows the guys it's it's keeping continuity on that offensive line so yeah I think it's a good it's a good signing all right Larry Fitzgerald still no announcement decision signing come on what's, Larry what's he gonna do come on um Last year, it didn't go this long. He obviously signed the one-year deal in January last year. Um, We're well past that. So the new league year begins tomorrow. It does, and Fitz is on the clock. Uh, I think he knows what he's doing. I think he's maybe known for a little bit now, but I think that he's maybe trying to negotiate something with the Cardinals. It It could be a situation where... They say, Larry, we, we obviously want you to come back if you want to play, but we can't give you $11 million. No, 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 no. It has to be a, just a little bit less, and maybe that's what they're working through right now. Who well, knows? yeah, if Fitz at 37 years old, to me, is I don't know if his aspirations are still set on like the Super Bowl level because the Cardinals are not quite there yet. Let's just be honest. They're not quite the Super Bowl level team. They can be in the next couple years, but they're not quite there yet. So if Fitz wants to go win the Super Bowl with one last year at age 37, it's obviously not. I don't think it's going to be in Arizona. So will he take like three or four million for one year if the Cardinals can afford that? I I think he does. If that's the case, I think that's hard money to turn down for one year of football where your role is realistically now where you've got to maybe go out and catch maximum three, four passes a game. I think that would be an acceptable level of performance that we can expect from Fitz for three to four million dollars. Uh, I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see what happens there. Again, kind of surprised that there's no decision. The Suns last night, they bounced back. They beat the Memphis Grizzlies 122 to 99 in a game where they uh, they looked really good in the second half, I thought. Um, watching that game last night, Devin Booker was was good again, and uh, I don't think Memphis is all that good. But you know what? I was just thinking about this. I looked at their record; they're seventeen and nineteen. How many times over the past ten years, Cody, have we would we have just dreamed of the Suns being seventeen? Oh and 19 my god! At one you point? have no idea. You have no idea. <laughs> I still don't really think this is real. This, yeah, I know. how good this Suns team is, and and yeah, last night the first half. I was like, uh-oh, this is Indiana again because yeah. they came out slow and Memphis was hanging with them even without John Morant. I think he went a whole quarter and a half or something without scoring. Yeah. Um, and then 
you know, they turned it on in the second half. Jonas Valanciunas was really, really good. A guy that usually gives DeAndre Ayton some problems. So, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy what, like, getting a good head coach in Monty Williams and James Jones building this team with, you know, bringing bringing in Dario Saric back again. And then bringing in Chris Paul, obviously. It's crazy how just a couple moves have uh, vaulted them to the top of the Western Conference. It's crazy. Yeah. uh, So the Suns are 26 and 12 right now. And. They have a few days off. They take on Minnesota on Thursday, and then the T-Wolves again on Friday. Back-to-back nights with the T-Wolves, only in 2021. Got to love that. And then the Lakers on Sunday to wrap up their homestand, and then they hit the East Coast. So No no Anthony Davis for the Lakers again. No. That's going to be big. I'm just excited that Sunday at 7 o'clock... The we got. And we have Lakers something to do in, in prime time. Like yep. I mean, that is what I'm talking about. I, I I am all in on watching the Suns and Lakers play in meaningful basketball games this time of year. I think I think Gambo has said it a couple times on Burns and Gambo. They're must watch. They're yeah. must watch TV right now. They're so fun to watch. They're so good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, finally, the D backs win today, eight to three over. Excuse me. I don't know why I keep thinking they won eight to three. They won twelve it was to twelve, three. sir. They, they won twelve to three over the A's at Salt River Fields. Cattell Marte uh, left the game early today because of a ankle roll sliding into third base on kind of a weird play where there was an error or it was like a weird hit off the end of his bat and he was trying to stretch a a bad throw from first to third. I, I I'll be honest, I did not see the game, but I think that's how you it wouldn't was have described. been able to. It was not on TV, exactly, and I think that's how it was described. I, to I me think on he Twitter. was just going first to third on an extra base hit, well, if I remember correctly, yeah. and <laughs> and uh, he just rolled his ankle sliding into third. Yeah, so we'll have to wait and see what the extent of that is. It doesn't sit sound him down, like it, please. Doesn't yeah. you know what? Can tell just just take the next you're couple good. weeks off. You're, you're going to make the team. Yeah, you're on the team. You're starting in center field opening day. Uh, there's some other positions that we don't quite. know know about that we'll get into later on the show and we're talking with Mike Farron at 6:30 so here in a few minutes and uh, we got we'll talk some NFL free agency on the other side of this one but Mike Farron coming up at 6:30 a lot of fun stuff to talk about with the Diamondbacks they made some roster moves today and a lot of it uh, with with NFL free agency going on right now sort of took a back seat to a lot of stuff in the Cardinals signing uh, Kelvin Beecham today and uh, what the rest of the league is doing so we're going to talk to Mike Farron about some of those moves. But on the other side, free agency. Larry Fitzgerald, what's he going to do? Patrick Peterson, interesting tweet today. We'll break that down. I think Pat P may just be trolling again. That's next. I'm Spencer Keatsman on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. NFL free agency frenzy on the rundown. Welcome back. I'm Spencer Keatsman. In for Luke Lipinski, Cody Fincher is here. And we all saw, and if you haven't seen it yet, uh, I mean, we all, as in all of us that's in, in this station right now, which is pretty much just you and me, I think, Cody. Um, uh, some news people. Eh, I'm, I'm wrong. It's like maybe five people tops. I like building. evenings here. There's like nobody here. It's kind of relaxing. It, it, yeah. it feels like we're like... You know, the kids and the parents are out, and we're getting to do a radio show. <laughs> they let us play with all the toys. Yeah, they let us play with the microphones and all the buttons and stuff like that, and, you know, broadcast in front of thousands of people. That's pretty cool. But uh, Patrick Peterson today tweeted out a picture saying mood, and it's a picture of him in the Cardinals all-black home uniforms where he I is... haven't seen this. Yes, you have. No, you I haven't? I haven't. Are you... 
I'm not even joking. Yeah, okay, so go just go to Pat Pete's I am looking it up Twitter right page. Now. He, and he tweeted a picture saying saying mood and then Field uh. Yates responded to it and I can't remember what he said, but it was something along the lines of, "Oh, does this mean that the Cardinals are now a favorite or or whatever because he's a free agent?" And he responded back like, "No, it's just a dope pick." And then Field Yates was like, "My bad, I'll delete the tweet." And then I'm like, "Don't, no, 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 don't delete the tweet. You don't have to do that." It's an honest question. It's an honest question because he's done good crap fun. like this before, and it, it's clearly to me just a, a total troll job. He was probably bored sitting around today, saying, "You know what? What can I do to really get Twitter going? What can I do to to put some spotlights on me during my free agency? Because everyone else is signing right now, and I'm not." Well, that's like another thing today. Odell Beckham Jr. just tweeted out no picture or anything, just the words second act. Yeah. And everyone's like, what does that mean? Where are you going? Uh, these guys are just trying to get some attention on them when other guys are signing and they have yet to sign. That's that's firmly what I believe. I mean, maybe the Skins games up at Whisper Rock were kind of lame today, so Patrick Peterson didn't have anything to do. Uh, I don't know. but uh, And, Cody, do you remember when Archie Bradley did – did something similar on yes. Instagram? Yes, he. I. I, I I've remember got a story, that exactly. I've got a story. He. But go ahead. He had po- posted a picture that said "Start me up," which is a song, obviously. Yeah. So everyone's like, Rolling "Is he going to start?" And then, and then I think someone got in his ear. They're like, "Archie, everyone's talking about this." And then he, and then he tweeted out "Closing time," or it might have mm-hmm. been in reverse order. I can't remember. But I, everyone's like, "Is he the closer?" And so I remember when all this was going down a couple years ago, and when he did that, and. I was working at a golf course at the time that he was at. I was caddying in his group, and I, I Archie doesn't play here anymore, Cody. So I don't care. I'll I'll I'll, I'll tell this. He literally said to his buddies oh in the group that he, he he did that on purpose to try to. He he said he wanted to see how riled up people on Instagram and Twitter could get, and that Tory had to come to him and say, "Hey, man, we got to stop doing that." The <laughs> After answer the is second picture. I, if you want to know lying, guys, how I, much people, I heard this story. If yes. you if you want to know how much people can get riled up on Twitter and Instagram, it's a lot. The answer is a lot. Yes, and I, I get it. Maybe if I was in those guys' shoes and I had you know hundreds of thousands of followers, which I don't and never will. Maybe I would be like, you know what? Let's let's play with some people here. Let's have a good time today. I don't know. Maybe that's not my mindset, but uh, look, Patrick Peterson has some options. I think I don't. I I hope it's not the Cardinals. I'm just going to say that. I think that I think it's just time to move on from asking for a trade, from all this stuff, from the PEDs. I, I think that the Patrick Peterson era, and not to mention his lack of productivity, really uh, is it's just time. And and you know what's going to happen, Cody? I think I I think I've got a prediction here. I think he's going to move on and he's going to go somewhere that's already an established playoff team. And I think he's actually going to be productive on the field. And everyone's going to be like, what the heck? Why didn't that happen here? That happens a lot it when happens, guys move it, on it happened, a place they've been for, for their entire career. Well, it, it seems to happen a lot with the Cardinals. Tyron Matthew happened with him. He's been better in Kansas City than he's, than he's ever been. Um, would it happen with Pat Pete? I don't know. I don't know how much he has left in the tank on on his career, but I would not be surprised if he signed on somewhere else for like maybe a two or three million dollar or two or three year deal and actually played well. Normally, I he's would, not happy with this team. I don't think. I don't think he's been happy with the Cardinals for a long time. Normally, I would I would kind of be where you're at, where I'm like, okay, it's time to move on from Patrick Peterson. I've seen what I've seen, but the fact that they have two cornerbacks 
or at least I, I, I think it's two, on their roster under contract right now. Byron Murphy and Robert Alford, who hasn't played in two years. They're both better, though. Is Robert Alford better than Patrick I mean, he, Peterson? He was before. Uh, but who knows what he is now. Right. So I'm I willing mean, to take that chance. The fact that they own, for me, that they only have two guys under contract in that cornerback room is kind of scary to think right. about, okay, you're going to move on from Patrick Peterson. And Murphy is raw. Like, I mean, I think he's going to be good. I just think that the, he's a little raw. And Gambo said it pretty well today earlier on the show uh, that the cornerback market is just not very good. So maybe you can get Pat Pete back on the cheap, but I don't. I think if he gets a good offer from a team that's already an established playoff team, I think he's going to take the chance and and do that. I think that uh, his time in Arizona is over. That's just my opinion, and I certainly hope it is. <laughs> I'm ready to move on. There's and as much as we all love Fitz. And what he's done, and yes, he is a shoe-in for the Hall of Fame five years exactly after he retires. There's no question about that. I think it's probably time to move on from that as well. I think that there's, uh, for a third receiver role, what he's going to be wanting, I'm not sure the Cardinals are going to be willing to offer a 37-year-old. He The last four years, he was on the same $11 million contract, and that's not going to happen for a fifth year. The past four years, one year, eleven million, one year, eleven million. That's what he was getting, and he kept getting it because the Cardinals kept offering it. And that's just stupid to turn down that kind of money. I don't care how old you are or what point in your career you are. If somebody's willing to offer you eleven million dollars to play football for one year, that's an easy no-brainer. Yes, sign me up. And if they were to do it again, which they're not, they're not going to be able to afford to offer that. And that, and he's not worth it, honestly. So, will he come back to Arizona for a? A significant pay cut, a three to four million dollar deal. That's the question, and only time will tell. But ever since I moved here, Cody, every off season we've been talking about Fitz and what he's going to do. It seems like it, it's it, been like for six ever. years. It's At only least. been four. It's only been four. It feels like six. <laughs> ever <It's> since <laughs> his original deal expired and he became a free agent the first time, it's been the same one year contract, and it's gonna over be, and over and, and over. It's going to be interesting to see what he does with with all that because. He has been on the record saying it's the Cardinals or I'm retiring. Right. So D- is is that still true though? Is I don't that know. Still hold I, true. I don't know. And and, and everyone has the right to ch- change their mind, obviously. And if he wants to pursue a Super Bowl somewhere else, I, I mean, I love Larry Fitzgerald. He is my favorite Valley athlete of all time. No question. And I would be sad to see him leave if he's going to continue playing. But if he goes somewhere and wins a Super Bowl, I'm going to be happy for him. He deserves a Super Bowl ring. He really does. He's gone through a lot of downs here mm-hmm. in Arizona between Kurt coaching, Warner and Carson Palmer. Coaching, quarterbacks, yeah, it's, everything. It, it, it's, it's been, been a nightmare. A, it's been a very <laughs> dramatic roller coaster at times. So if he if he decides that he wants the Super Bowl, I, yeah, I'm going to be sad to see him go somewhere else. And wear, It's going to be really weird seeing him wear a different uniform right. with no Cardinal on the helmet, but... I I I'll be I'll be I'll be distraught, but I won't be angry. I think that Tom Brady kind of opened the door. That's a seems like a good for, fit there, BA. It does. Byron left, which and that's honestly not what I was getting at. But you're right. You're right. My my saying was that Tom Brady, a guy later in his career, opened the door for a lot of these guys that are in similar positions, like a Larry Fitzgerald, to maybe go play a few years somewhere else. 
And and I think when the when the when Tampa took a chance on Tom Brady, I'm not sure they that they knew he would be as good as he was this year in the playoffs. I'm not and and he was not great in September, but he got better and better throughout the year. I don't know. Larry could be one of those guys that could be a, a plug in place third receiver type player for a legitimate team like Tampa Bay. And, they, and you brought that up, Cody. That's an interesting point. So. All right, coming up next, the D-backs are right at about the halfway point, I'd say, in spring training. Opening day is is just right around the corner, and I cannot wait. I think there's a lot of interesting things with this team, and there's a lot of head-scratching things with this team as well. And I'm going to talk to Mike Farron of the D-backs radio network next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Keeping it live and local with Luke Lipinski on the Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Welcome back to the Rundown. I'm Spencer Keatsman in for Luke Lipinski tonight. And a lot of big NFL news, but also a lot of news with the Diamondbacks today that you maybe haven't heard just because of all the free agency frenzy in the NFL going on today. And joining us now is Mike Farron of the D-backs Radio Network and host of MLB Network Radio on Sirius. Mike, how's spring training been for you so far this year? Uh, it's been a little bit different. Yeah. I haven't had been around um, you know, players and staff quite as much as I normally would be, although that's changed in the last uh, week or so with some of the protocols that we've been able to go through. So um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's been a, a little strange being at a at a um, a, a little bit of arm's length or, or six feet of length yeah. for the most part. But um, but that said, it's great to have baseball back, and I'm excited that we're uh, you know getting closer and closer to opening day. Well, I'll tell you what, I went to a ball game in Peoria last week, and I had mm-hmm. out outfield seats, and. They've got it set up there. I don't know if it's like this at every park, but if you buy four tickets, you get like a big box, a painted box in the yeah. in the uh, lawn that you can sit on. And then if you buy two, you get the smaller box. It's actually kind of a better setup in the outfield that way. That way you don't have to walk over everybody to go get up and go to the bathroom or go get a drink or something. So that well, was interesting to me. It's definitely less crowded, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's basically what they've done, I think, on the berm everywhere. And, and it's nice. I mean, it, it, listen... It's so much different just having fans in the ballpark. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, we first of all, we hope everybody is is taking every precaution that they can to be safe as possible. You know, we're, we're, we see the light at the end of the tunnel, and I know that that's really exciting, but we can't uh, race ahead <laughs> you know, right. too quickly. But at the same time, like, it's, it's great having fans in the park. And what was really funny was, like, the first couple of days of spring training, it was still pretty quiet in the ballpark. Yeah. I mean, people were getting accustomed to what it was like to be back at ball game but now you hear the cheering through the masks and um you know it's it, there were it was funny today there were a bunch of uh, borderline strike calls that went went against the diamondbacks which the fans let adrian johnson have it and that was fun too because we you know we haven't had that in a while so the boo birds are back and all of that is great well now now that you're socially distanced in the park you can easily tell who's booing you <laughs> yes be a different... well, i don't know if you saw the footage yesterday this was great and you know, so the diamondbacks were in peoria playing the mariners and all of a sudden, the Mariners uh, radio broadcast cat picks up this girl going, Daddy, hi, <laughs> Daddy, Daddy, hi. And it was Kyle Seeger's daughter. I heard that. And yeah. he stepped back and waved hello to her. So it was <laughs> it was really cute. That's awesome. Uh, before we get into some uh, stuff with some of the on-field stuff we've seen, let's talk about uh, the D-backs radio and, and, and television moving forward. Are we expecting 
Anything different this year? I know the D-backs have a TV deal for like the next 20 years or something like that, and it's it's pretty much set in stone. But with the um, priority that a lot of baseball teams are putting on the television and radio product uh, in the revenue that it's generating, I, I'd imagine that that's got to be more the priority of clubs now than necessarily selling tickets. Is that the case, or am I way out of left field on that? Well, I mean, I think, listen, I mean, I think ticket sales are still a huge part of revenue, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're talking about what, what's projected to be about 40% of the revenue for the sport as a whole. And I think it varies market to market as to where it is. So it's not like it's, you know, while, um, you know, specifically the local television contracts tend to be to make up a larger percentage of the pie than it has before. Um, You know, there's that there's corporate sponsorships, which obviously, you know, are impacted when you're not playing as many games or you don't have fans in the stands. And um, there's all sorts of other things, you know, with advertising and signage and whatnot. So, um, you know, I don't know that there's necessarily anything that I can think of that's being done, you know, that to, you know, change the way the broadcasts are going outside of, you know, none of us are traveling to open right. season at least. Um, and that's kind of league wide. But, um, you know, I think you'll see a, you'll see a rebranding very soon on what is currently Fox Sports Arizona will be Bally Sports Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's all part of the, the rebranding when the Fox Sports affiliates were sold first to to Disney and then to the Sinclair uh, networks. And you're going to see that across the country and all the Fox Sports affiliates. So that's probably the biggest thing. And I've heard the graphics packages pretty cool that they're doing some cool stuff but that's that's the kind of the extent of it and other than that like on the radio like you're still gonna get greg and candy and you're still gonna get you know uh, leo and we're we're still gonna be um you know in the same spots that we always have been so i i don't know that there's gonna be a whole ton of change i think the biggest for the broadcasters is that at least to open the season we're not traveling well and and we're talking with mike farron here and you can hear him generally at about what 6 10 every night locally is that when you're starting pregame the games are at 640 six o'clock okay yeah Yeah, that would be a weird clock radio wise to just start that thing at 610 (laughs) that wouldn't make that wouldn't make any sense so yeah uh mike farron of the d-backs radio network let's talk about uh what happened today i know you don't have an update on Cattell Marte, and i don't think anybody does as of now just maybe explain what you saw did you see the play sliding into third base well yeah i I do have an update he rolled his ankle on the base okay it doesn't sound like it's very serious so yesterday he got hit in the pit (laughs) by a pitch on the left foot man and they took him out of the game as a precaution. Today he was going first to third on a ball, and he he you know rolled his foot on the base at, at third, and that's something that happens pretty commonly. And Tori Lavello said that they took him out of the game just as a precaution. You know, sure. it was kind of a bad trip around the bases too because you know, he reached on an error, and it was one of those balls that he hit off the end of his bat, mm-hmm. and so it was cold. I mean, it was like fifty five degrees today, right? So he was shaking his hands out. He had the bees in his hands, right? so <laughs> uh, rough trip around the bases for Cattell. But he's listed as day to day, and so. So, you know, we won't, um, you know, my guess is that he's probably not in the lineup tomorrow. I don't know if he was planning on being in the lineup tomorrow and surprise anyway against the Rangers. But uh, it does not sound like it's anything significant, which is really good news because the Diamondbacks need to tell Marte uh, if they're yeah. going to do what Tori says and shock the world. Yeah, I mean, seeing him go first at third is not an uncommon thing. We saw that a lot in uh, 2019. And last year, a little bit of a drop off with Marte. Look, obviously a weird year. Uh, I don't think I've asked you this or we haven't talked in a while, so I definitely haven't asked you this. What do you take from the 60 game schedule? And if guys maybe had a little bit of a dip in their numbers, is that something that you're really concerned about? No. Um, as a general rule, I would say no. I mean, I think it's it's the same as trying to parse too much out of the first 
two months of any regular season. You know, guys with track record, I think you feel like, um, you know, they're going to reach their numbers. I mean, I think the one thing to keep an eye on with Cattell is, like, is he going to be a 30-homer bat? I think that's a question that's still, you know, I, I, I feel like nationally it's probably more open than those of us who are around him and we see what the power is like yeah. from both sides of the plate and how it, and, you know, listen, today, and granted, he's, you know, he's, I think, just one of the most aggressive swinging hitters from the right side in the league. You know, he had a four 457-foot homers. So, like, uh, and he's starting to drive the ball again from the left side, which we really didn't see last year. I no. felt like his timing got a little bit out of whack after summer camp, and that impacted it. But I think you're going to see, you know, a guy who's going to be a really dynamic offensive force. And, you know, I think guys like Escobar, like, he's going to play closer to the back of his baseball card than what he did last year. I think that there's probably, you know, that's probably going to be said for Carson Kelly. I think a couple of guys that got off to uneven starts like Nick Ahmed and, and David Peralta, that happened for you know so I don't I don't put a ton of stock into the 60 games and that and that goes with guys who may have you know swung the bat unexpectedly well too you know across the league like all of a sudden like you know like Marcelo Zuna is a really good offensive player but he led the league last year in homers and RBI and I don't know that Marcelo Zuna is going to lead the league in homers and RBI for playing 162 games in 2020 so uh, you know I think that there's I think there are some things that you'll see that kind of normalize over the course of a full schedule yeah. and you know that that will include I think the bounce back for for a number of, of players you know especially offensively for the Diamondbacks well and uh, that segues into the next thing that we're going to talk about here and that is of course the national media they, they're not giving this team much love I think the over under is 82 games I think uh, the Vegas over under on 82 wins but um, I'm taking the over on that and the reason is is because I, I think that there's there's some veterans on this team who are like Escobar, like Peralta, maybe Nick Ahmed, who are thinking that they've got one final run at this to make a playoff run in the next couple years. And I, I do you get the feeling that maybe the, the time is ticking on some of these guys to actually have a playoff run in their career and make a run at a World Series? You know, I mean, Peralta's got two years left on his contract here. Yeah. Ahmed has three. Um, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily think that they're looking at it that way. I mean, I think, you know, we had we did our, our MLB Network radio spring training uh, tour stop or virtual stop with the Diamondbacks today. And um, Zach Gallen said that there was kind of a quiet, salty feeling among the team in spring training, which – is because they didn't play well last year and they yeah. feel like they're a better team than that. And so I don't think that that, you know, that's from one of the younger guys that's saying that, right? So I don't think that it's a, a there's a veteran group that's necessarily saying, hey, this is our last gasp. I think there's a number of players that feel like they're a better team than what they showed last year. You know, mm-hmm. that, that was the first losing season we've seen with, you know, Mike Hazel and Tori Lovello in charge. And yeah. so I, I, I think that there's probably more a, a sense of like the true talent level is a team that's not, you know, 25 and 35. I think it's probably uh, a little bit better than that or significantly better than that from a winning percentage standpoint. And so I think there's that chance that they kind of settle in there. But I think, listen, they're they're in a really tough division with two teams in the Dodgers and Padres that 
are really, really good. I mean, the Padres made a lot of moves, and they're a lot of really good moves. So um, it's not going to be easy to be able to make it even as the second wild card team, or, or you know, it's certainly not going to be easy to win the division. But I do like the fact that they're not running from um, the test, and they don't mind the fact that they're the underdogs. And the Diamondbacks do have a, a pretty good history of uh, popping up in first place when yeah. nobody expects them to. Yeah, um, some roster news today with the Diamondbacks. As far as I'm concerned, everyone in the Grinky trade except for Rojas was sent down. Is that correct? <laughs> That's pretty. Yeah, that is actually true. Yeah, Corbin so, Martin and Seth Beer and, Z- and, and JB Bukowski. Yeah, okay. So yeah. Bukowskis is the one that really has a head scratcher on me because he's pitched really well in spring. Nine innings hasn't given up a base runner. We all know what today the rule is. Mike, I, I think you know what what we're getting at here—the service time well, manipulation issue. What it, do you? It's it's not it's a little bit different, I think, in this regard because I don't think that you're going to see teams play that with a reliever very often. You know what you're talking about is keeping guys in the minor leagues for the first couple mu- weeks of the season in an effort to try and gain a seventh year of control mm-hmm. and relief pitchers that doesn't that doesn't really fly as being um, that significant or that important. So, I so think we're set on him being is, a reliever. He's a reliever. Are we set? Well, on that? that's the that's what they told him coming okay. into camp. All right. So, I mean, now I think there's the chance that, you know, he, he changed his arm stroke and, uh, you know, he's been consistently in the zone. So maybe there's a chance that they will stretch him out at some point. But at least in the short term, they're looking at him as a reliever. You know, Tori Lovello addressed it today and said that they, you know, that they had they you know wanted him to be able to get more experience at, you know, practicing as a relief pitcher and controlling the running game and some of those things but there were there were some other there were some other deadlines that that were important today in terms of uh injured list stints for players on the 40 man roster right. that probably had some sort of impact on it as well but listen i think the biggest thing is that jb Bukaskis is looks like he is going to have a significant impact on the 2021 diamondbacks this year mm-hmm. um and i would be surprised if it didn't happen relatively early in the season yeah so for reference on what this is a lot of people may remember the chris bryant strategy you're saying that's not this just because you think no. he's going to start at this or start his career as a reliever right yeah i mean generally what, what you're seeing when you're talking about that that so what, what happens is that you have to have so if we want to get complicated here the season is 187 <laughs> days long if you have 172 days of service time you get a full year of service so what teams have done with potential star level players is that they've kept them in the minor leagues until just after that deadline so that they hit free agency after their seventh year and not their sixth full sixth season because you need to have six full years and so that's what the Chris Bryant situation was right. it was the situation in Houston with George Springer it's a situation with a number of players you will see it with some good pitching prospects some of the top tier ones and really top tier position player prospects in general those are the spots you do it because the 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 reasoning is as much as anything is the cost on those guys gets to be um you know far greater when mm-hmm. you start getting to the last years of arbitration and they hit free agency and so you're trying to delay that and get as much of their prime control as possible and relievers just by nature are higher risk because they're pitchers and a lot of times pitchers have an injury history and that they will leads them to the bullpen and so it doesn't it 
there aren't. I don't remember a single team with a relief pitching prospect that has played a a, a service time game like that, okay. where they've been trying to gain a seventh year of control. Because it's just it tends to be a much more volatile position. Now that's not to say that Bukaskis can't go out there and be you know an ace reliever for seven years, and it's not to say that he doesn't you know end up going back in the rotation or anything. I just think that you know, based on the conversations that I've had and based on just knowing the way that this works, it's highly unlikely that they're playing a service okay. time game in that. And uh, switching now to Bukaskis's former college teammate at North Carolina and current roommate, I believe. Um, and college roommate, And too. college roommate, Zach Gallen. Okay, so if you're Tori Lovello, Mike, do you have the cojones to go up to Madison Bumgarner and say Gallen's going to take the ball on opening day and you're not? I mean, it's all lined up for Bumgarner to take. I know, I'm just, but in terms so, of who no, the better I mean, pitcher is, I don't, so you're asking the wrong guy because I don't <laughs> care. Like, I, I mean, th- those two guys are going to start the most games over the course of the season, sure, and that's what really matters, right? So, yeah. like, I don't care what order they start them in; it doesn't matter to me. You know, Bumgarner has a lot to prove, and you know, he was pretty good again today. Like, you know, the fastball velocity down a little bit from his first start, but I thought he had a really good cutter going for the most part today. His curveball wasn't quite as sharp as his first outing but but I think there's a lot to build on and I think you know Bumgarner quite frankly has kind of earned that so I don't think it necessarily matters which one of them you know if Bumgarner goes to Torrey and says I don't care who starts on opening day and they want to put Gallon there fine if they don't it, it doesn't in my my estimation it doesn't matter I think we worry too much about what the opening day lineup looks like. And yeah. I think that, that goes for players with injuries, too. You know, like, you know, Cole Calhoun's probably not getting, I'm sure he would love to be ready for opening day because it's opening day, right? But, like, slow it down a little bit just to make sure that you don't, you know, rush to get back. I think that, that does, that's better for a player than, you know, than just, you know, worrying about what, what is, to some degree, an arbitrary deadline. So yeah. it's, I, I, I hate to be the guy who's, you know, the tinkling in the Wheaties on it, but that's kind of my, my philosophy. On the opening day question is, I mean, listen, Bumgarner and Gallon are going to make the most yeah, starts. It's one, it's one out of one sixty-two. It doesn't yeah. matter, and the only time the opening day starter role matters is literally on opening day. Because once right. you're into the, the weeds of the season, it's every five days your turn to pitch. I mean, it's just as simple as that. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Mike Farron, D-backs Radio Network, host of MLB Network on Sirius. We certainly thank you for taking a few minutes out of your time this evening on the rundown, and uh, cannot wait to hear your voice with the Diamondbacks on the radio this year, right here on 98.7. Very, very soon. We will be yes. there two weeks from Thursday as the opener. All right, Mike. Thank you very much. We'll be right back on The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. I think it was good. I mean, before we were coming out, uh, before a game, we were saying we don't want to lose two in a row. Um so that's just the mindset of what you just said, just responding, having an off game and you know, understanding that, you know, there's room for improvement and you can never get too comfortable. That's Devin Booker last night after the win against the Grizzlies and how the team responded after the weekend loss to the Indiana Pacers, where the Suns did not look great. They looked much better last night. And look, throughout the course of a, of a very long NBA season, you're going to have a stinker or two in there. And the, the Suns have had a few. They've lost some close games as well. But they, they, it just happens. Good teams will have a stinker. And I don't think much into it at all. But I do believe in, in trends. And if the Suns had come out and lost again at home 
to a Memphis team without their best player. And I, I, I just think then you might have some, you know, room for concerns, especially since for right now the Suns are pretty much healthy for the most part. I think uh, uh, Cam is out right now and not sure how long that's going to linger. But the Phoenix Suns are a good basketball team. And I'm just kind of curious as to how good they are because we still really don't know yet. They're not one of the at 26 and 12. They're they're on pace right now to be obviously one of the top seeds in the West, and they probably will be. But there's nothing about them yet that really strikes you as like one of those elite level Warriors teams or elite level Lakers teams or elite level Spurs teams in the West. They just don't really have that yet. Uh, they, you know what they kind of give me the feel of, uh, Cody is the thunder early on with Durant and Harden and Westbrook. Now, obviously they've got the veteran point guard in right now, but, and, and I I just named three of the biggest stars in the NBA. The Suns don't have three ginormous stars like that, but those thunder early years when you could see it start to build what they were going to become. Now they obviously never went on to win a championship, but um, that's kind of what it feels like to me. And I'm, I, I guess I'll propose the question. What is the ceiling? Like, what is the ceiling? What we're at this point now with the Suns, where they haven't been to the playoffs in 10 years. And I, are we getting a little spoiled yet when they lose to Indiana? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what, what, what would you Cody Fincher Consider this to be a successful season. Do they have to win a playoff series? Is that what you're thinking? Well, to me, someone who has suffered for 10 years, I would just like to see them in a playoff series, for one. That's uh, going to happen. Though. And it's going to happen. But, yeah, I feel like they're 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 kind of setting their own ceiling as the season goes along. And I feel like, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, they're probably going to be a top five seed in the Western Conference so I feel like it's going to be expected of them to win a playoff series. And, I mean, to me, yeah, if they if they don't win a playoff series, I'll be upset, you know. Yeah. But they still are going to make the playoffs, which is something that we haven't said for 10 freaking years. <laughs> 10 years. Ever since Jason Richardson did not box out Ron Artest. He was still Ron Artest, I think, back then. It was On a Kobe um, Bryant air meta. ball. It wasn't oh. <laughs> that was the last time we've seen the Suns in a playoff game. Yeah, I I remember that, that stupid freaking play. Ugh, um, that play. So here's what I'll say. I think that the the standard to having a successful NBA season to me is winning a playoff series because I'll be honest, in the NBA, making the playoffs really isn't that big of a deal. There's 32 teams. Half the teams make it. And the bottom two or three in each conference are usually teams that are right around 500 that are just okay. And if the Suns are a top seed, you should be able to beat one of those teams. I'd have to look it up right now. Who Who's like seven and eight in the West? I got to figure that out. Let's see. Uh, if the season were to end right now, the Suns would be playing the Spurs, who is just an okay oh, team. Oh. I mean, yeah, I'm all for that. After all the heartache the Spurs have given us over the years, and pretty much when you and I were growing up, Cody, um, I was the sign rivalry. Me up, sign me up for that right now. I'll take the Spurs round one of the playoffs. Let's go. Let's go to work. It would be either that or, or somewhere Portland, Dallas. I mean, those are the teams that are kind of bunched in there. I don't think those teams really scare me that much. And that's a Spurs team right now that 
was just informed by LaMarcus Aldridge that he doesn't want to play there anymore. Oh, okay. And there, I think the word is that they're trying to trade him. DeMar DeRozan has missed some time this year for you know personal reasons. I think his father passed away. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, if 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 it ended today, they would play the Spurs, and let's say they they go up to the number one seed because the Jazz the Jazz are currently they they're five and five in their last ten. The Suns are eight and two in their last ten, so they're only two games back of that number one seed. And mm-hmm. Dallas is number eight. They should be able to beat Dallas even yeah. with Luca. I mean, Dallas has kind of underperformed a little bit this year, I think, too. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of agree with you. As the season's going along, yeah, when it started, we were like, oh, it would just be great if they made the playoffs as like a sixth seed. But now they're, look at them, they're sitting at number two in the Western Conference. I think, I think they're kind of raising our expectations win by win. Now, here's what I don't want. The Warriors are, are right there. They're a couple games behind a uh, eight seed. I don't want them getting healthy and creeping up there. That 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 would scare me a little bit. <laughs> so can we just not have the war? Let's just have the Warriors miss the playoffs. I'm perfectly okay with that. But they're going to get healthy and better. So I I I don't want any part of that. But San Antonio right now, I'll take them. I would love a Sun Spurs series to. Bring Phoenix back to the playoffs for the first time in 10 years to take on the nemesis that was the thorn in the side of the rear end of the Phoenix Suns for so many years. And look, the Lakers are going to be in there as well, but you're not going to have to, you wouldn't have to worry about them till down the road in the playoffs. But give me every bit of the Spurs. I hope that happens. That's actually what I'm rooting for. And I don't really like Greg Popovich either. I never really have. And a lot of stuff recently, stuff that he said I don't like, and that's that's for another conversation. But I uh, um, hated Greg Popovich <laughs> for so long. That stupid little, I think it's probably a gif now somewhere of him giving the thumbs up and the smile to Shaq because he the whole hack a Shaq thing. Oh yeah, Ugh. no, infuriating. It really is, and um, I I I like where the Suns are right now. Um, I, I like the way that this team is able to respond. I like Jay Crowder out there giving productive minutes in his all white. He's got the long sleeves and the the sleeve. He's got sleeves like every part like of his legs and covered arms up. are covered. It's yeah. great. How could you play basketball? I don't that? know. I uh, I'm not going to question it. He's playing well. You know, do your thing, man. I always had a hard time in pickup <laughs> basketball. Just even playing in a. Uh, just a t-shirt or or or, yeah. or uh, just a, anything with sleeves. I was I was always uh, if I was on skins in rec, like you know shirts and skins. I don't think they let the kids do that anymore. I think that's sort of uh, offensive now. <laughs> but we would always do shirts and skins in rec in college. And if we were if we were skins, I'd be like, all right, I'm gonna throw this bad boy off, and everyone's gonna see all 140 pounds of this uh, muscle on my body, which I. Obviously don't have that's a joke. So all right. <laughs> we'll talk more about the Suns. You didn't have to say it. I mean <laughs> we'll talk more about the Suns later in the show. We're gonna get you reset at the top of the seven o'clock hour with some of the biggest stories in sports. I'm Spencer Keatsman. He's Cody Fincher on the rundown, ninety eight seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. Ninety eight seven FM. Arizona's sports station. The rundown reload. Rundown reload. Spencer Keatsman in for Luke Lipinski. Cody Fincher here as well. Rundown. Reload. Let's just start it off with the biggest story of the day, Cody, and that is LeBron James is now a part owner of the Boston Red Sox. Is that Red the Sox. biggest story? Sure. <laughs> 
Why not? So it's LeBron. Weird. Everything he does gets attention, whether you like it or not. <laughs> it's just so weird because, and obviously everyone's doing this, but that that the pictures of him with the Yankees gear on are all circul- uh, circulating around oh, yeah. the internet now. I saw a tweet with, uh, you know, do you remember when the Indians were playing the Cubs in the World Series? Yeah. That viral like video of him in the suite with his Cavs teammates. Yes. There's a picture, there's a still from that video going around. He's wearing a shirt that says Cleveland or nowhere. So <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. It's just so random, right? He buys that a stake in that uh, the parent company of the Red Sox, and now he's a part owner of the Boston Red Sox. It's weird. It's, it's been happening. We've seen it. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is now a part owner of the Kansas City Royals, and Larry Fitzgerald has a part of I was going to say, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, uh, we're going to start seeing this, I think. A lot of uh, really, really, really rich superstar athletes, and those three that I just named, are really, really rich. And they are superstar athletes. They're going to start getting involved in ownership of teams. Look, I'm okay with it. Sure. You know, uh, you can only make money off of that. They're not putting a whole lot in. Larry Fitzgerald doesn't have a huge stake in the Phoenix Suns. It's just, you know, it's good to have a celebrity and a superstar like that on your ownership. Magic right? Johnson's on the Dodgers ownership well, that, group, That's too. a different deal. That's a, that's a much larger scale. Yeah. Um, but uh, And that was coming off. Interesting situation where the Dodgers had to, the owner had to sell the team because of a divorce. The McCourt. Something crazy like yeah. that. Like a divorce cost him his stake in ownership. I miss those days when that was <laughs> the, like running the Dodgers and that's why they were terrible for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Bring those people back. I know. Now they've only won the division like eight straight times. So, uh, yeah. All right. Cool. That wasn't really the most important story of the day. I just wanted to throw that out there that LeBron is now a part owner of the Boston Red Sox. The Arizona Cardinals re-signing Calvin Beecham to a two-year deal on that offensive line. He's going to play right tackle again, I would assume. Why not? Yeah. He played really well last year. He did in that position. He was a pleasant surprise. That's a position that, if I remember correctly, he hadn't really played a whole lot of. And he stepped in and was a much-needed pleasant surprise for Cliff Kingsbury and that Cardinals offense with second-year quarterback Kyler Murray. So we're still on Fitz watch. Still don't have an answer there. Pat Pete is weighing options. Apparently today there is a report that he has three teams narrowed down that could possibly be suitors. I think I heard the Chiefs, the Cardinals, and, and who else? Well, the Chiefs would make sense because his boy... Tyron Matthews is there, and I'm mm-hmm. sure Tyron Matthews is giving nothing but glowing reviews of Patrick Peterson. Those guys are really close. He would be a pretty good number two corner on that Chiefs defense, I think. I could see I could see that being a play. Um, I, again, I said it earlier in the show, I, I kind of want Pat Pete to, to walk. I want him out. I'm done with it. I, I, I It is a new era of Arizona Cardinals football. Uh, and as much as we love Fitz and Pat Pete, I'm sorry, that era is over. We're it, It's moving on. You've got your franchise quarterback. You've got some playmakers on defense. You've got who you think is the right head coach. That's another topic. But the, this, the pieces are certainly there for what they're trying to build moving forward. And I'm not sure that Larry Fitzgerald and Patrick Peterson fit into that. The Diamondbacks today, they beat the A's in a spring training game 12-3, to but... Those aren't even, that's not even close to the biggest story coming out of this one. Um, There's a few big stories today with the D-backs. 
One of them being Cattell Marte got hurt. He rolled his ankle sliding into third base. We'll have to wait and see how long he's going to be out. Um, but, I mean, for all I care, he can just take the next two weeks off and just show up for opening day, and I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, get your work in. Don't get fat. Don't get lazy or anything. We just don't need you to play. Yeah, there's no, you know what I mean? There's no, like, wondering if he's going to make the team. Right. And uh, Nick Ahmed, uh, out for a few days for personal reasons. Look, nobody needs to speculate into that. Uh, you're never going to find out, first of all. I mean, Zach Grinky with two different clubs, didn't show up to camp on time. Kansas City and Arizona for personal reasons. So there's a lot of things that go on in spring training with, with, with veterans. And uh, I wouldn't think... I know Nick hurt Ahmed hurt his knee. I wouldn't think anything too much of that. It could just be a few days off. I don't know. The guy's 31 years old. He's making this team. He's a gold glove shortstop. He has zero to prove in spring training other than staying healthy. So there's that. And then... Everybody in the Zach Grinky trade today was sent down to the minor league camp. And that includes J.B. Bukaskis, who I think is one of the rising star pitchers on this team. He's 25 years old, so this certainly is not like a, a season or, or like a career-shocking move that he's going to have to start this year in the minor leagues. What it is, and we talked with Mike Farron about it, and he didn't really seem to be interested in thinking it was uh, service time manipulation because today is the deadline where let's say you get hurt after today in big league camp in spring training that means that you have to go on to the major league IR or IL what do they call it now the it's in- the injured list the injured list IL so it's not the IR not the DL anymore either okay and injured if you list. if you do that if you go on to Let's say it's a season-ending injury, and you go on to that Major League IL. That gets you one year of Major League service time, whether you played in a game or not. Because you would technically be on the Major League roster for more than 170-some days. There's a clock on the Major League Baseball season, and that's officially started today in terms of service time for players and contracts and arbitration and all that. So it's kind of complicated, but what the D-backs did was they sent him down today to avoid having to give him an extra year of service time by breaking camp with the big league club. This happens all the time. It's the reason why Chris Bryant with the Cubs lost his grievance case last year with the Cubs because they did the exact same thing. Chris Bryant could very easily be a free agent right now, but instead it won't happen until the end of next season. And look, uh, this happens all the time, and there's going to be a new collective bargaining agreement with Major League Baseball and its players at the end of this season, and this is going to change. The players are not standing up for this anymore. It's been happening for a long time, and to be honest, it's kind of sleazy. I I, I don't know if I like it. I, I don't know that I like clubs taking advantage of guys who are 24 years old in terms of service time. So, uh... JB has been awesome. Bukaskis has been awesome this spring. Nine innings. Hasn't given up a base runner. You know? That's pretty good. <laughs> and whether or not, like, the manipulation of service time set aside, I thought he was going to make this team regardless. The The D-backs need bullpen help. Sure. Um, that bullpen is really wide open outside of maybe two or three guys. Joaquin Soria, Tyler Clippard. Um those guys are the only ones that I think are really locks to make that bullpen. So Those two, they're two old guys. They've yeah, been around for a while. Old yeah. wily vets. Yes, <laughs> but 
yeah, Bukowskis has been great this spring. Uh, he, 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 like Mike Farron told you in your interview earlier, he changed his delivery, and mm-hmm. which is allowing him to stay more around the strike zone. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll see him at some point this year. Um, just don't know when. The other guy sent down in this Zach Grinky trade, uh, Corbin Martin. For all intents and purposes, he's going to be a starting pitcher. Don't think he's quite ready yet. This move, that doesn't shock me. And the other one is Seth Beer. Um, this is a guy that can play multiple positions. I think he's pretty good. I think he's going to be a good player for the Diamondbacks, but they clearly don't think he's ready yet to well, break camp with the team. Well, the thought with Seth Beer is uh, he, he can hit. He's got some pop, but he really isn't that good of a defender right now. No, he's probably going to have to play first base, and yeah. right now that position's filled. Right, exactly. So, right, exactly. Right now that position is locked down with Christian Walker. Yeah. Um, I don't think they want Seth Beer to be an outfielder, per se. So he's going to have to work at his glove at first base and then see what happens there. Yeah. So there's your your Diamondbacks news. And uh, also the outfielder, uh, Fairchild. I'm blanking on the first name. Stuart. Stuart Fairchild was sent down as well. Stuart Fairchild. So there you go. There's some Diamondbacks news. And we'll get into more of that in the next segment. We'll talk more about, uh, I think that this Bukoskis thing is just a complete load of you-know-what. And... Um, Mike Hazen and Tori Lovello were even asked about it today, and I think I hate to call people liars, but I just don't think that they're being truthful with what's happening. So I'm Spencer Keatsman on the Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's the Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Welcome back. Spencer Keatsman here on the Rundown in for Luke. And some breaking news. This does not affect the Arizona Cardinals, but it's a pretty big deal in the NFL. Uh, The Washington football team, this according to Ian Rappaport, is signing Bengals corner Will Jackson III. And this will be a three-year, $42 million deal with $26 million guaranteed. So uh, the Washington football team coming off a playoff appearance. In the last two days, they've gotten a quarterback and a legit corner that can come in and play. And uh, it, hey, Cody, if Fitz, if Fitz Magic is on again in Washington, even if it's just for ten games, this team could do some work in that division. I was low key <laughs> hoping that the Cardinals would somehow bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick as a backup quarterback. No, he's going to start. I there. know yeah. he's going to be the starter, and they gave him ten million dollars to do it. Oh man! I mean, I guess he. This poor Ryan Fitzpatrick. 30, poor him. <laughs> no, well, you know not his he's wallet. Getting? Not yes. his wallet. But like, he goes to Miami, plays well, and then they're like, "All right, we're gonna put Tua in." Yeah. And I mean, I know Washington has that Taylor Heineke kid, but I feel like Ryan Fitzpatrick was probably gonna start the whole year there, unless right, he gets hurt. I'm gonna put you on 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 spot here. Oh, good. I love when because that um, I I used to play a game on Arizona Sports Saturday with Andy Greenberg. Who do you play for? Yes. I love that game. That's It's really good. I mean, the way it played on air wasn't great just because we were so like unorganized with it. But uh, the, the concept of it is incredible. So, Cody Fincher, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who did he play for? Well, Miami. Okay. Uh, Tampa. Yes. Buffalo. Uh, yes. The Jets. Yes. Um... Oh my gosh! There's three else? more. There's, there's three more. Three teams. more. Yes. Oh my gosh! Actually, there's four. Sorry, four. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh my goodness. Um uh this is going so poorly. <laughs> um not in the NFC. Two of West. them are in the same division. Oh my gosh. Um they one of them was a playoff team this past year. That doesn't help me. AFC South. Uh Tennessee? Yes, he played for Tennessee. Okay. Uh so there's two more now? Three more. Dang it. Um, One of them is not in the city that he played in anymore. They have moved. The Raiders? (laughs) No. Oh, the Chargers? The Rams? Yes. (laughs) All right, the Rams. I'll I'll just give it to you. The Rams, the Bengals, the Titans, and the Texans. That is nine teams. He was a Bengal? I don't remember that at all. Yeah, 2007 and 2008. (laughs) Okay. uh, Played in... Only uh, a couple games with them. He is the Bartolo Colon of the NFL. Except we actually know how old Ryan Fitzpatrick is. He's 37. The Bartolo Bartolo Colon was that was up in the air. We don't know that when Bartolo Colon hit that home run. Oh, it's amazing! It's fantastic. What the dugout did was just incredible. They went absolutely nuts. But yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick is 38 years old. Just got a one-year, 10 million dollar deal last yesterday with the Washington football team and now they go and sign a legit quarter in Jackson. I mean, this is um I don't know what to think about this team moving forward. They've got some nice players. Their they defense really do. is scary. Their defense is good. It's really good and that division sucks. So, you would like to think that Washington probably goes into next season if they it'll be the Cowboys as the favorites again, I'm if, sure. If they can get but, another receiver Opposite of scary Terry McLaurin, scary Terry. Then you're looking at a, a pretty pretty good team there. Yeah. All right. So there's there's some breaking news there. This segment was supposed to be about the D backs. Instead, we talked for five minutes about Ryan Fitzpatrick, which I'm okay with, just because I like the guy. I really do. So um, the D backs have obviously with Cole Calhoun being injured, and we don't really know exactly how long that's going to be. Uh, it's going. He's not going to be with the team opening day. Um, so I think they're going to have to take it easy on that. But um, right field's a question mark, and we talked about this before the show, Cody. I like Josh Rojas, the local kid. He's from Buckeye. I like him playing right field. I kind of like uh, Van Meter, although I don't think he's going to break camp with the big team. Uh, so there's some question marks there with, with the D-backs. They really only have two spots to where you're you're even considering – uh, platooning or moving around. That's right field and second base. Because I think Marte's the center fielder moving forward. Obviously, you've got Peralta in left. You've got Escobar at third. You've got Ahmed at short. You've got um, Christian Walker at first base. And then you've got Carson Kelly and Stephen Vogt behind the dish. So there's a few spots, though. And they've got some young guys that they like. Cabrera's another guy up there. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. I think, I think Trace Thompson's going to make the team. Um, I like his story, man. That guy's yeah. been kicking it in the minors he, for a long he time. He was really good. Clay, when Trump's, he, Clay Thompson's brother, by yes. the way. He, what, he was pretty good when he first came up with the Dodgers, and then he got hurt and was never the same after that, and he's bounced around a couple organizations spending time in the minor leagues. But he's had a really good spring. He's hitting the ball really hard. Um, I don't know if he'll be the starting right fielder come opening day, but you never know because Cole Calhoun's not going to be ready. For opening day, it looks like for Calhoun, it's going to be more towards the beginning of May for mm-hmm. him to come back. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of, of of Dalton Varsho possibly in the outfield. I like him a lot. He's very athletic, even though he is 
technically a catcher. He's he's pretty quick and he's athletic. He can play all three outfield spots. He did that last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he could play center as well if they really need him to. Um, another guy that could make this team. I don't really. He's played some corner outfield. He's plays first base. Paven Smith. Yeah. Um, Mike Hazen's first first round draft pick when he. Uh, came to the Diamondbacks from the Red Sox, so uh, he might he's a left-handed hitter too. So I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting those last few spots up for grabs, especially in the outfield with Calhoun injured. And they don't. And I I agree with you. I think Marte is definitely going to be their prim- primary center fielder. And I could see them like I think you said this earlier, not even worrying about him playing in the infield unless some guys need a day off here and there, but. I think they just stick him out in center field this year, and that then he'll be the guy. Yeah, and Paven Smith in spring training so far, he's had 28 official at bats, uh, 32 plate appearances. So he's got four walks, seven strikeouts. He's batting 286. I mean, these are not impressive spring training numbers by any means, but I think that there's there's more to it. You know, we're not just looking at that. And last year, in 37 at bats in the regular season. He had 10 hits, one home run, hit 270. So the production really hasn't been there. And this guy's he just turned 25 last month. So, um, oh, I, yeah, they're expecting a lot out of him. And like you said, this was Hazen's first draft pick. Uh, high school kid out of Florida, I believe, if, I'm, if I've got that right. No, he went to college. He went to Virginia. That's right. Sorry. He went to Virginia for a couple years and then was a first-rounder. He was drafted by the Rockies out of high school, but did not choose that route. So, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of interesting guys and you know only time will tell but opening day i'm i'm just interested you know that there's always that feeling the first lineup card you see and it's like okay is this what we could expect and you just never know cuz you could see somebody like Josh Rojas starting in right field or starting at third base or starting at second base i mean these these they do have some guys that can really play any position on the diamond and that's a trend that major league baseball is going towards you know you don't have your everyday player anymore at all nine or excuse me all eight positions on the field that just doesn't happen so there's a lot of guys that I like here and I was wrong in the interview with Hazen I said that the inner that the over under on the D-backs was 82 it's actually 75 and a half I think they're winning more than 75 and a half games uh, you know what? I'm going a Burns and Gambo mortgage payment on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we've talked about it on the Ain't No Fang podcast at ArizonaSports.com. Heck, yeah, Ain't No Fang. I listened to it. By the way, the interview with Nick Ahmed, great. great oh, thank stuff. you very Go much. back and listen to that if you haven't heard it. Um, we were taking a look at Tori Lovello going into the last year of his contract this year, and I went back and looked since in 2017 was his first year. Last year, 2020, the 60-game season was their first losing season under Tori Lovello. Yeah, it was. So, and and, and so many and, weird... And Hazen. Yeah. And they so, came together. Yep, yep. And so many just weird, unpredictable things obviously happened last year They with the shutdown in spring training and the weird summer camp that they had to come back and do. And Madison Bumgarner didn't really, he admitted that himself in a Zoom meeting. He wishes he would have done things differently. Eduardo Escobar showed, out of, showed up out of shape to the summer camp. So... And so I, I know it's easy to blame the manager or head coach in any sport, but I would just like to usually when the Diamondbacks historically are under uh, underrated or not being talked about very much is usually when they play their best baseball. So yeah. I, I'm not saying they're going to go out there and win the division. Obviously, the Dodgers are stacked. The Padres are stacked. But 
maybe they could push for a wild card spot this year. It's not out of the question, I don't think. I think it's going to be tough. They're not winning this division. That's just not happening. I'm sorry. It's And players should never have that mindset. You know what I get tired of is when players and managers get asked, you know, with the Dodgers making all these moves and all this stuff, you know, how how hard is it going to be for you to compete? Well, the answer is yes, it's going to be very hard. But a good team and good management and good players aren't thinking about what other teams have done or doing. They're, you know, you got to go into spring training worried about what you've got on the field and how you can win with what you've got on the field. And that's a very hard thing to do. Do the Diamondbacks have as much talent as the Padres and the Dodgers? Absolutely not. But can they be competitive with those teams? Yes, they can. They can be competitive. Anything so. can happen in a 162-game baseball games. season. A lot of games. It's a, a lot long of things to summer. happen. Yes. Uh, coming back on the other side after this, we're going to talk more NFL free agency and some of the moves and some of the things that the Cardinals may have to look forward to and whether or not Larry Fitzgerald will be a part of this future or Patrick Peterson will be a part of this future. And plus, Pat Pete tweeted today a picture. It's kind of a trolling move. We'll talk about it next. I'm Spencer Keatsman filling in for Luke on the Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is the Rundown, hosted by Luke Lipinski, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Well, I'm Spencer Keatsman in for Luke Lipinski. You definitely know Luke isn't here because he wouldn't have botched that update like I did (laughs) where I was trying to come up with something to say. The game had literally just gone final, Cody. Like they, they were flashing final score on the screen here. I'm watching it in the studio. Coyotes lose three to nothing. And I was trying to say the record that they were falling to, but I had the wrong screen pulled up on here. So then I, for whatever reason in my mind, I tried to play that on the wild in what their record is as if I have any clue. <laughs> so I just screwed it up. Like, I was about to say the game's gone final, the Coyotes fall to this, and Minnesota improves to this. I didn't have any of that information in front of me, so it was extremely awkward. Live radio, folks. Live radio, baby. Yes. But got the update in. Sounds <laughs> great. <all> that matters. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so Larry Fitzgerald has yet to make a decision on whether or not he's going to play football for another year or retire. Um, Cody, I don't know if you've heard this audio, but Fitz Sr.? We mentioned, not, we mentioned, we mentioned, okay, so we mentioned Tampa earlier. Okay. With Larry Fitzgerald possibly being an option. Okay. Guess where he was playing golf? Oh, good. Uh, yesterday. Somewhere in Tampa. Yes. Great. Goody. Here, here's what uh, Larry Sr. had to say. He, I mean, he name dropped the club. Your son, Larry Jr., is he excited about J.J. Watt coming to Arizona? You know what? Uh, I talked to him last week. He was down uh, playing Seminole. A country club. He's a member there down in uh, Florida. And uh, he wasn't very happy with his round of golf that day, but he was excited about uh, the Cardinals adding J.J. Uh, Watt. Okay, that's enough said. He didn't answer the question right away. He mentioned where he was playing golf uh, at Seminole Country Club. Guess who else is a member there? I learned this on Bickley and Murata today. I'm going to say, just a guess, Bruce Arians. <laughs> close. Oh, I'm close? Tom Brady. Yeah. Oh, great. Yay. <laughs> Has anyone checked Tom's Instagram or or Twitter? Any pictures with Larry? No, but Tom Brady did announce today that he's giving out his cell phone number. Um, I saw that. What's that about? Mitch Vereldis this morning on Doug and Wolf, he texted it. 
and said, hey, do you want to come on the show? Because <laughs> like Tom had said that this is my phone. I'm giving it out to to uh, obviously be closer to my fans. Now, let's not be stupid, folks. This is not actually his cell phone number. If it was, <laughs> as soon as he tweeted out the number, he would have thrown it in the river. Yes. And so it is it is a Northern California number, but it is not his. And uh, by the way, Seminole Golf Club is, is not near Tampa. It's on the other side of the state. It's West Palm Beach. It, whatever. But it's close. And Tom Brady's a member there. Were they there together? That's the real question. Because uh, if they were, that would have been a, a juicy little story. But it's not actually Tom Brady's phone number, people. And so Mitch texted it saying, hey... Would you want to come on Doug and Wolf in Phoenix? And he got an automated response back that was like, this is an automated response, but any further responses will be from Tom. Click on this link to join our contact list. And I don't know what that link was, but I'm sure it was some crap about TB12.com or how to eat our avocado toast and find out what it is. (laughs) Yeah. Sign up for this newsletter and find out what it is. Yeah. Um, There's some sort of catch there. (laughs) But, anyways. Uh, I can see Fitz landing in Tampa. That I don't know if I want that. I would much rather have him. But then again, you said, Cody, you would want him to win a Super Bowl. And I, I think that Tampa is a lot closer than that, even though they just won one than Arizona is. So that would be a good thing for Fitz, I believe. Um, but I just think his time, it's not played out. Patrick Peterson has played out his time in Arizona. Larry Fitzgerald has not. That guy could come back for on a one-year deal for a million dollars every year for the next 10 years, and I'd be okay with it. Because it's Larry Legend, you know? He's obviously not going to do that. He's only going to play if the money's right. And, look, the Cardinals are not going to offer him another $11 million contract for one year. That's not happening. They can't afford it, one. And, two, uh, Fitz's worth is is, is not that. Um, but still... It's Larry Legend. You got to be considerate. And I think that he's taking his time with his decision. Although I, I do think that he's got a pretty good idea. Um, and it may be coming to realization now with Larry that if he wants to play another football season, it may not be with the Cardinals. And that seems to become more and more real every day in my mind. Uh, just based on what the Cardinals are doing and how the future of this team looks moving forward. They don't have the money to pay him another $11 million contract for one year to go out and catch three passes a game. It's not happening. It's not. And in terms of Patrick Peterson, a little bit of a troll job today on Twitter, in case you don't already know. He tweeted out Mood. This was three hours ago. Mood with a little, what's this, the hang loose? Um, Little surfer. Yeah. It's where your pinky and your thumb are out, and you're (laughs) shaking it back and forth. I think that's the hang loose. That's what he did. And that's what he's doing in the picture. He's wearing the uh, all Cardinals black home uniforms, which I'm a huge fan of. I think that's their best jersey. Um, And a black uh, visor in the helmet. I mean, the picture is pretty cool. And that's what he said in response to everyone being like, wait, does this mean you're coming back to the Cardinals? No, just a dope picture. That's what he meant. That's what he says he meant. I think it's a troll job. I think this is an Archie Bradley two years ago troll type job by posting pictures to where you feel like you could people aren't talking about you today like Patrick Peterson wasn't much of the free agency conversation today a lot of other guys were and I was thinking he's like man 
I need to get involved in this too. He's going to be in the second wave of free, uh, agents, free agents that gets yes. signed, and he, you know, no one's like you said, no one's talking about Patrick Peterson today. They're talking about William Jackson the third and mm-hmm. Janoris Jenkins yep. and those guys of the DBs that got signed. So I, yeah, of course, it, it, of course, he's tweeting that out to just get some attention. Big time. Yeah. And it's it's working. We're talking about it right now. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it all day since it happened, which was towards the end of, of Burns and Gambo, but uh, they definitely talked about it. And I think the consensus is is that, yeah, Pat Pete is just, just trying to mess with us. Just trying to either that or he's trying to just, you know, get some Twitter attention on him because it, the attention today in, in, in free agency, as you just said, Cody, was not on him. He's the second wave guy. And he knows that. The production hasn't been there. The production hasn't been there, and the age is getting up, plus the PEDs. Uh, a lot a lot of what he's done throughout the past few years, whether it's asking for a trade or the PEDs, a lot of this just screams uh, desperation. Like he's trying to just keep it together or keep it going or trying to find somebody to bite and get him on a team that he can go win immediately with. Um. And I can see that happening. And I said earlier in the show, I would not be surprised one bit if Patrick Peterson got signed to a a very, very uh, team-friendly deal with a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, and he goes and and is productive for a little bit. Wouldn't be surprised with that at all. So there's your news on the Cardinals. They signed Kelvin Beecham today uh, as well, and this is a good move. This guy played well last season for Arizona. Uh, It makes you wonder what's going to happen with Marcus Gilbert moving forward because they play the same position. And uh, but Beecham did not sit out last year. He played last year an entire season and was great. And I think he played in all 16 games, too. I think that was uh, another reason why he had such a good year was because he was there. He was healthy and half the battle for the Cardinals offensive line for as long as I can remember has been staying healthy. And it just hasn't really happened. And it. I guess it happened to a certain extent last year, and they were okay. They weren't great. They were okay. They were good enough to protect Kyler. They were good enough for their record. They were good enough for an eight and eight team. And or, or is that what it was? Was it eight and eight? I think it was eight and eight. Yep. Wow, I forgot. That. Yeah, it was five eight and eight. two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then had a bad loss to New England. Had a bad loss to. They had a couple bad losses in there. Detroit, Carolina. Oh yeah. New England. The Rams with Johnny Walford. There's <laughs> Niners with, with uh CJ Bethard. The Cardinals never beat the Rams though. No. They haven't they haven't beat the Rams since Sean McVay took over as the head coach. Eight no? Six no. Oh, I don't know the record. I think it's Oof. six and no. I think he's been there for three years. But speaking of the offensive line, they They've been looking to upgrade the center position, and they failed to sign Corey Lindsley. He went to the Chargers. I don't think they can afford those guys. And now but now the uh, center, Rodney Hudson, gets released from the Raiders. Gambo is reporting that the, the Cardinals will definitely be interested, but he's going to probably get what Lins, Lindsley got. I don't think they can afford what, that. What was that, like $11 million, $12 million uh, per to, year or something ha- like that? I'd I think that's what it, it was, but... I mean, Rodney Hudson's really good. It's kind of surprising he's even available, but I mean, I, I definitely think they should. The Cardinals should be looking at an upgraded center over Mason Cole. Mason Cole really struggled at times last year, especially when playing the Rams and uh, blocking some guy named Aaron Donald. That was really hard. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, um, he's he's kind of good. He's a pretty good football he's... player. Um, <laughs> yeah, Lindsley signed. It was a five-year, sixty-two and a half million dollar deal with the Chargers. 
That's not going to... The Cardinals can't afford that. That's $12.4 million a year. Okay, so how could you... You got to really crunch some numbers to figure out how you can afford to pay signing a bonuses and all that stuff. Yeah, I you mean always, you can you can always finagle it. the the salary cap number. Yeah, and not only you can restructure some things too. Sure. Like the Chiefs restructured Mahomes' the, bonus. The whole voidable so, years yeah. thing is is now a trend. Yeah, Taysom Hill got a four year, hundred and forty million dollar extension, but it's not real. It's voidable after every season. That's insane. <laughs> it's just, it's just so weird. It, it's, it's none odd. of this is real. Like the the years and 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 figures are like there's. It's weird how flexible they can be with they're, that stuff. They're starting to go like the major league baseball route and having team options. You know, you basically, it's what it seems like. NFL. you don't see that a lot. That's just that's just crazy. And they're only so. team options, if you notice. None of them are player options. Right, so. right. That's true. All right. Uh, so I'm sure the guys tomorrow morning. I'm Doug and Wolf. We'll have more on Cardinals and free agency in the NFL as the next, the rest of this week is going to be crazy. It's going to be fun. You're going to want to make sure you're tuned in to 98.7 FM all day. Don't take a break. I don't care what you've got to do. Listen at work. Uh, you're going to want to make sure you're tuned in. If you don't already have the Arizona Sports app, get that on your phone iPhone, Android, get that right now. You can listen live and read all the cool stories and all the cool stuff that we're doing online. But all right, closing the show coming up. We're going to talk about the Phoenix Suns, who bounced back from their loss to the Indiana Pacers over the weekend. They bounced back last night, and they beat the Memphis Grizzlies. who's They're an okay team. They're not bad. They're not good. They're just okay, but the Suns certainly bounced back, and uh, we'll play some player sound and uh, talk about what Monty Williams had to say about the team after the game. I'm Spencer Keatsman on The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is The Rundown, hosted by Luke Lipinski, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Spencer Keatsman filling in for Luke on a Tuesday evening. Cody Fincher here as well. Real quickly, before we get to the Phoenix Suns, I just saw something interesting online about the NCAA tournament. And I'll be honest, I just looked at the bracket for the first time. (laughs) I don't think, I, I didn't see any of the selection show. Uh, I'd seen on Twitter where some teams were going and stuff like that. I'm a college basketball fan, but I don't really have a rooting interest this year in the NCAA tournament because both college teams that I would root for are were straight garbage. One of them being the Arizona State Sun Devils, who just sort of quit on their season halfway through it. And I know they had COVID issues and a lot of things going on. They just weren't very good. But anyways, injuries, injuries, injuries. Yes, I know. Like their two best. Well, Remy Martin. When you get beat by player, 40 but... to Utah in the last game of the year, you've quit. Yeah, that wasn't good. <laughs> so, um, but sports gambling is now legal in 21 states. So they're expecting record numbers of wages to be placed on the NCAA tournament this year. Uh, the American Gaming Association estimates that more than 47 million Americans will place bets on the 2021 NCAA men's basketball tournament. And according to the report, nearly 37 million Americans will fill out a bracket. And that's less than 2019 in the men's tournament. So more gambling on the games, but less filling out brackets, which means you're going to have more individual wagers on games being placed than people actually placing wagers on their entire bracket. Uh, so that's interesting. And and people always ask when Arizona's getting in line with this cash crop, that's, that's just, that is sports gambling. And uh, we just don't seem to have an answer right now. So... 
Um, 21 states since have, have legalized sports betting, and they're expecting record numbers on the NCAA tournament, which is kind of strange because if one player on any team tests positive for COVID, you're, they're out. Whole team is out. So why are you... I, I don't understand... I'm if I'm placing a wager on a game, I'm doing it literally five minutes before that team plays. Yeah, I was gonna say like <laughs> gambling is risky as it is, but if you're doing it pre-tournament, yeah, you're a fool. So like, holy crap! Literally, when the ref goes out there and is about to hold the ball for the tip-off, that's when I'm if placing my bet. You can get bet. that in, like, <laughs> and now, and now, put ball's it in. Tipped. Okay, good, got it locked in. That team gets to play because up until that moment, you never know what could happen. They could be an hour before a game, right? And a team could have a player uh, test positive, and all of a sudden, you're done. You're out. And that team would move on to the, the team that doesn't test positive would move on to the next round. I'm hoping none of that happens this tournament, but I can't help but think that there's going to be that one something's team. going to happen. Yeah, there's going to be at least one team where a player or a coach comes down with COVID, and they're going to have to leave. Well, tomorrow is the start of the play-in games, which would normally be in Dayton, Ohio. Then I should probably... Is it tomorrow or Thursday? It's usually the Wednesday they have one, and then Thursday they have I one I thought well. they had like... Oh, okay, one no, game No, 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 wrong. It's usually the Tuesday and the Wednesday, because some teams have to go straight from their conference tournament to Dayton and play a day later, and play two days later. Excuse I me, two days later. I need to fill out my bracket then. I haven't even looked at it. We've got one going around the station. I got the email. I don't know if I'm going to do it, though. Mainly just because I don't think I could get Anthony my $10 in time (laughs) because I'm not going to be here tomorrow, and tomorrow's the deadline. He is accepting Venmo. Is is he? Okay. Maybe. There's a deadline to pay. I hate that. (laughs) Well, yeah, you have to have your money in before the tournament starts. That makes total sense. Dang it. uh, Interesting stuff there with sports gambling and the NCAA tournament. Um, Always a fun time. It's going to be weird watching with hardly anybody in the stands in the same city. That's going to be strange. So uh, the Phoenix Suns. Get a bounce back win last night over the Memphis Grizzlies, and the, after they lost to uh, the Indiana Pacers over the weekend, and Chris Paul was asked, uh, Monty Williams apparently had said that the team has poor losers after that game. They did not react well to losing that game, and that's a strong statement from a coach. There might that might be a little bit of bulletin board material. Well, and, and it's usually like poor or sore losers is used as a negative right term but i believe monty obviously meant it as a positive like we don't like to lose right so when we lose like that we're just coming back motivated even more to the next game and, and yes that's that's exactly what happened but the the wording may not have been the best wording cuz people i think at the time may have been a little confused but um here's what chris paul said after the game and after last night's game in response to uh what monty said I always say that, man. You show me somebody fine with losing, and I'll show you a loser. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, we just got a team with them guys. You know, that's why I practice. We are competitive. I tell you all the time, that's one of the main reasons why I, I definitely wanted to come play with Book. You know, I know Jay Crowder. You know what I mean? These guys, like, you compete no matter what it is, and, and that's how it should be. Yeah, and, and Chris Paul III has been a huge reason as to why the Suns are having the success that they are. I mean, you could single-handedly say that he is uh, the main reason why they are in the position they're in. I know Devin Booker's really good, but for years now, the Suns have failed to do one thing, and that's surround Devin Booker and the rest of this team with a legit point guard. And they now have that. 
and they did they did a great job going to acquire him. Some people questioned the move, whether or not his prime is past him. And look, I don't think that's the case at all. Um, here's what Devin Booker had to say about Monty Williams saying the team has poor losers. I mean, it's you know it's good to know that everybody's on the same page and everybody you know has a common goal of of wanting to win. Um, so yeah, we we are you know we're, we're sore losers after the games that we lose. You know, you can feel it in the locker room. You can feel it um, in next day's practice. You can feel it in film. So, you know, we nobody wants to lose in anything. And that's everybody, coaching staff, the players. And center DeAndre Ayton has always been a talking point with the Suns because he's one of the streakiest players that is in the NBA. And uh, it, you just never know what you're getting from D.A. on a night-to-night basis. And Monty Williams, after the game, talked about the importance of of D.A. needing to be a force in the paint every night. You know, D.A. had 15 and, and 9, but I just thought his presence in the paint was a bit more forceful and demonstrative tonight. Yeah, there was one post move where he sealed Valanchunas, and I thought he got fouled, but he got to his jump hook, and that's how we want him to play. And I told him at halftime, that that's the standard that I'm holding you to. You know, when I'm getting on you and, you know, yelling and screaming at you about – stuff that's the reason why he has the ability to be a force in the paint and we we need him to do it every night the phoenix suns right now currently sitting at second in the western conference the utah jazz are first the suns two games behind the jazz so the one seed is certainly in play and as as of right now the phoenix suns are i think the third best record in the nba uh, third best, or yeah, excuse me, third best percentage, I believe. Some teams have played more games than others, but uh, per usual, it looks like the top of the West is is very, very good, and the top of the East is good, and then you got just sort of some some rummies down at the bottom of the East, and uh, in the West, I think that that conference is more deeper. But uh, the Suns, they have a couple days off, and then they wrap up their homestand with two games against the Timberwolves. They play. Thursday night, and then they play Friday night, and then they have the Lakers at home on Sunday before hitting the road to the East Coast. So, interesting stretch here, and the Suns have become very, very fun to watch, and it's must-see TV. So, that's going to do it for us here on The Rundown. I'm Spencer Keatsman for Cody Fincher. Hope you guys have a great night, and be sure to tune in to Doug and Wolf, 6 a.m.